0: Hello my friends, this is JB.
1: And I'm Downhiller. and welcome to our new fun and motivation-driven podcast.
0: Where half the time we will focus on motivation.
1: And the other half of the time, we're going to share our experiences with ghost hunting.
0: And then the following week, allowing you to share your ghost stories. Stay tuned on how to share with us. Welcome friends! JB and Downhiller are coming to you from the Mile High City of Denver, Colorado, where you can hear us on your favorite podcast platform.
1: And we'd like to share with you the artist who composed this wonderful, creepy music for this episode, which happens to be our first episode of A Guy, A Girl, and A Ghost.
0: Yay! So this song is called Music Box, and it's by Ben Ridge. And we encourage you to check out Pond5 to listen to Ben Ridge and find out more music from him as well as more of the other talented musicians' work on that website. So we decided to create this podcast about ghost hunting and the paranormal for a few reasons. First, just about everyone loves a good first. I can speak and let you know that just about everyone loves a good, scary story. Even if you may not totally believe in ghosts, I personally don't have any ghost stories to share. Well, not yet anyway. But I'm open to the possibility that spirits can communicate with us from beyond. And I am excited and a little scared to see where our ghost hunts lead. I told Downhiller I might even have to start wearing Depends.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That makes two of us for sure, J.B., And I think we do all love scary stories. And in our case, we actually do believe in ghosts or at least the possibility that life doesn't end as we know it when someone dies. So I've actually personally had a number of experiences that really make me believe that there's much more going on than we can see. And I'm even going to have one of my personal stories published in a magazine called Mysterious Ways soon.
0: That is awesome, Downhiller. And we just might share some of your story on a future podcast so let's get started with today's episode sharing with our first experience ghost hunting
1: yes so our first stop was the infamous cheeseman park which used to be a cemetery and this made for our the perfect first haunt
0: yes it definitely did so this cemetery let let me give you guys some history about cheeseman park so before it was the beautiful it was a cemetery and it opened in 1858, and the first burial occurred the following year. In 1872, the US government determined that the property upon which the cemetery sat was actually a land, f- having been deeded to the government by a treaty with the Arapaho tribe. It offered the land to the city of Denver, who purchased it for $200. Wow. Although to be remembered as Mount Prospect Cemetery three, the cemetery's name was changed to the Denver Cemetery. As time went on, different areas of the cemetery religions, ethnic group organizations such as Oddfellows, Roman mm-hmm. Catholics, Jewish, the Grand Army of the Republic, and a segregated section for the Chinese. Some sections were with descendants or their organization were terribly neglected. In 1885, 20 acres at the northeast part of the cemetery to the Hebrew Burial Society, who then maintained to the rest of the graveyard fell further into disrepair. By the late 1880s, the cemetery was rarely disrepair. Just- Becoming an ice become one of the most exclusive parts of the quickly growing city.
1: Exactly. So this cemetery had just sort of dissolved into a potter's field, basically, and real estate developers began to lobby for the park uh, for a park in its place, rather than continue to use the cemetery and just this area that was just kind of becoming very um, nasty and gross for the area that surrounded it. So on January 25th of 1890, Congress authorized the city to vacate Mount Prospect Cemetery and families were given a whole 90 days to remove the body of their loved ones to another location. And those who could afford it began to transfer the bodies to other cemeteries throughout the city or even to other states. But due to the large number of graves in the Roman Catholic section, which is off to the east side, Mayor Joseph Bates sold that 40 acre area to the Archdiocese of Denver, which was, you know, and then they renamed it the Mount Calvary Cemetery. The Chinese section of the graveyard was given over to the large population of the Chinese who lived in a neighborhood that was at that time known as the Hop Alley District of Denver. And most of those bodies were removed and then shipped back to China. Several years went by, well, the city waited for citizens to remove the remains of their families and loved ones, but few did. And when you think about who was buried there, it makes sense. Most of the people who were buried in the cemetery at that point were vagrants, criminals, paupers, um, most of whom may not have had a family. And that probably has a lot to do with why the majority of the bodies, and the estimate is around 5,000, remain unclaimed at this time.
0: Which is just very sad, if you really think about it it is 1893 city of denver then to an undertaker named e.p mcgovern Rem- to remove the remains mcgovern was to provide a coffin th- for each body and then transfer it to the riverside cemetery at a cost of a dollar 90 each the began on march 14th 1893 while a sorted audience of curiosity seekers and reporters came and went for the first few days the transfer was orderly. However, the unscrupulous McGovern soon to make an even larger profit on the contract. Rather than utilizing full size coffins for adults, he used caskets that were just one foot by three and a half. One source claims that this was done at least because of a coffin shortage caused accident in Utah. Hacking the bodies sometimes use as many as three caskets for just one. Which is, that's just disturbing. In their haste, body parts and bones were literally strewn everywhere in a disorganized mess. Their haste also allowed souvenir hunters and onlookers to help themselves to items from the caskets. The city built a temporary wooden fence around the cemetery and in 1894, grading and leveling began in preparation for the park though several of the open graves wouldn't be filled in until 1902. finally shrubs were planted and the holes filled where coffins were removed supposedly work was completed in 1907 without ever having removed the rest of the bodies writer and playwright russell hunter said that in a a 1980 interview that many of the elements from the movie The Changeling were based on experiences from his first few months in Denver in 1968, while living in a large house at 1739 East 13th Avenue on the Northern edge of Cheeseman Park. Unfortunately, my friends, sorry, this house was raised in the 1970s and it is now a condominium building on that site. Although the film is set in Seattle, the house the film centers on is called the Cheeseman House, a nod to the Denver inspiration. Cheeseman Park is also rumored to have been the inspiration for Steven Spielberg's poltergeist. Whoa. In recent years, skeletons have been uncovered several times during construction and improvement project projects. Sadly, there is no good way to identify who these souls were in life, and the bodies had to be buried elsewhere without being identified.
1: That's right, JB. It's really pretty sad when you think about it and really embarrassing the way the city of Denver handled the situation so poorly. But this history is also the very reason that Cheeseman is rumored to be haunted. And we decided to make Cheeseman Park our first ghost hunt, mainly because of the history that we've just spoken about. And there have been countless reports of strange and scary experiences over the years, and not just at night, People report cold spots, feeling of sadness, moaning, crying, and even feeling trapped on the grass, as if someone is holding on to them from beneath the soil, which is just creepy. And there are also reports of a spirit in a torn and bloody hospital gown approaching park goers, asking if they've seen the person who stabbed him many times. The spirit apparently looks like a pale man initially, but then he just disappears into thin air when he's told the park goers don't know who he's referring to. And the mere thought of walking in the cemetery at night gave us both goosebumps, and we wanted to see if we had similar experiences or maybe even some new ones. And we took a voice recorder, um, an EMF detector or electromagnetic frequency detector, and something something called the Spirit Box Story, which is an iPhone app that is supposed to allow spirits to kind of manipulate it and speak words, and then you can see it. So we took those things to record any voices, noises, or unusual activity.
0: Yes, yeah, so we arrived at the park on the west side near 9th, around 9th Avenue, around 9 p.m. It was very warm and clear, as it has been quite toasty in our city for the last week or so. And it's been a very, you know, so anyways, we, it was probably still over 80 while we were walking into Cheeseman. But almost immediately, we walked into a cold spot near a cluster of trees. And when I say cold, I mean ass freezing cold the temperature dropped and i would say at least 15 degrees or more and downhiller and i were stunned
1: yeah jb it was almost like we had gone into the mountains the temperature change was just so abrupt and i think i was so startled if i remember that i kind of reached out and grabbed your arm because it was so shocking and talk about needing to pens um, i definitely (laughs) kind of had something scared out of me And the EMF reader had been giving some mildly elevated readings just before we actually crossed into the park, but then it dropped to zero as soon as we hit those cold spots and it never really went back up again. And that's kind of strange because supposedly um, when you're in the presence of spirits, an EMF reader is supposed to go off. So the fact that it just went basically to zero was just kind of creepy. And I've tried to do some research to see if I could find an explanation for that. And I can't, but that really also just kind of gave me the creeps as well.
0: Yeah, it was it was really abrupt, and then we noticed that the cold spots seemed to come and go in waves as we made up made up our way to the hill towards the pavilion. And we encountered a lot of uneven ground, which is why I chuckled earlier about the <laughs> ground that was supposedly leveled out. Um, mm-hmm. And once we reached the garden surrounding the pavilion, the ground was uneven again, supposedly due to the coffins that were buried hastily when the city abandoned its attempt to relocate bodies to other cemeteries.
1: Exactly, and I was a little unnerved knowing that we were walking over someone's final resting place. And just thinking about the way those graves were desecrated made me shudder. Um, I would even say, I don't know if guilty is the right word, but you know, just a little bit that we were wanting to go and do this ghost hunting knowing what had happened there um, and the fact that so many other people do the, the same thing. It's no wonder that there seems to be a lot of restless spirits inhabiting Cheeseman now.
0: Yeah, it was a little unnerving. And the whole thing was rather ghoulish when you really think about it. We can't say that we actually saw any actual spirits while we were walking in this area, but there were, as you would agree, a lot of people in the area at that time. And we wondered if maybe that's why the spirits were kept at bay.
1: That's true. And there were a lot of people. It was a very warm, night so there were a lot of people out and about and I just think it would be interesting to go back later at night maybe when there are fewer people there or even during the day because people have reported all kinds of things in broad daylight so I don't think it has to be dark to encounter something paranormal at Cheeseman.
0: That's very true Downhiller and yes we do want to come back and explore more of the park including the area which is now known as the Botanic Gardens and the playground. There's lots of activity that's been reported in both areas, including the buildings at the gardens.
1: That's right. And speaking of activity, we rocked right into those cold spots again when we were leaving Cheeseman. And that time I did get kind of a, I don't know, a darker feeling or kind of I did perceive like a heaviness or a sadness, a feeling like we definitely were not alone and the spirit box also said evil right as we walked into one of those cold spots and that's when we kind of looked at each other and decided it was time to go
0: yeah that was really freaky when it said evil i mean my feet were freezing like it like we said i mean it was ass freezing i mean it was really cold so we definitely want to go back and i actually would love to and i know you would agree to go to that area that little tree area to see what it really looks like. Because when you're dark, I mean, it was after nine, it was not light outside. So it'd be really interesting to see if the cold spots are still there during the day.
1: So that would absolutely be a great thing to do. That could be, I think, another episode in itself, um, just supposedly to go around and look and see if you can see where the graves were. There's supposedly a lot of activity over by the playground area, you know, just to kind of map it out because we went at night and it was dark, so we couldn't really see where we were going for sure so i think a daytime hunt would be awesome and i can't
0: wait me either oh my goodness so anyway as much as we love cheeseman we are already set for our nose next nost- Mm-hmm. whatever is <laughs> the nose nose <laughs> we are set for our next ghost hunt which will be the old university of colorado medical school campus at ninth and colorado Downhiller, you have a personal connection to this location, don't you?
1: I most certainly do. So I received my master's degree in public health from that campus way back in 2008. Feels like a lifetime ago. And the only building that's still standing at that location is an old nursing dorm that housed, at least when I was there, the bookstore, the bursar's office, um, some conference rooms, among other things. And there is some haunted history to that building. And we'll talk more about that during the actual podcast.
0: That is really exciting. Um, I know I am excited. I'm sure you are as well, given your personal connection to the campus.
1: No, you have no idea. This is really exciting to me to kind of go back, even though, we can't go in the building. It'll only be outdoors. There are some rumors that um, people used to see faces in the window and stuff like that. But again, I don't want to give away too much. Again, And remember that we aren't just doing our own ghost hunts for this podcast. We also want your ghost stories. Our dear listeners and our friends, we want to, to hear your personal stories. And we feel that that will make these episodes even more fun. So you're probably wondering how to submit those to us. So please send us your stories to Stories at gmail.com that is a guy a girl and a ghost story or ghost stories but we couldn't turn that into an email so we shortened it a little bit again it's stories at gmail.com and then we'll pick a story to read on an upcoming podcast and we might even interview you so with that we're going to sign off friends but before we do let me ask that you do us a huge favor please share this podcast with your friends and family We're really excited to grow and can't do that without your support.
0: Yes, that's right, Downhiller. Remember, the JB and Downhiller is available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And this podcast is brought to you by Captivate and Riverside.fm.